When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the CHGO Fire Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I'm Alex Campbell, and it's a double dose of the Alex C's this week. Alex Calabrese of Men in Red 97 Media has returned from his studies in upstate New York. And as a welcome back present, the fire gave him two wins over St. Louis City SC, which we are going to break down today, along with what we can take away from the first two games of the Frank Klopas era part three. Alex, welcome back to the show and congrats on making it through one year of college. Yeah, happy to be back on the show, back in Chicago and seeing the fire get some wins. It's it's a weird experience. I know last week the tone on this show was not particularly positive in the wake of Ezra Hendrickson's firing. Where do things go next? But maybe there is some light emerging after two games. Later, once we get through the games, we'll talk about how much we can take from these two games, given the circumstances. Also, to all our fellow U.S. men's national team fans watching, happy Fuller and Balogun Day. A very exciting morning in the world of U.S. soccer. Hopefully we can keep the good vibes going here and we will start with that U.S. Open Cup result. Fire 2, St. Louis 1. Last week, Alex, on the show, Guillermo and I predicted that we thought the U.S. Open Cup game would mean more to the fire and maybe the MLS game would mean more to St. Louis. And that that was reflected by the fire's lineup. This was an A-team lineup. Klopas's first game at the helm. It was, I think, expected, but still nice to see that this game was being treated as we've got to get a win here. I mean, he talked about it to the team as well. He showed them that video about how much the Open Cup means to the fire organization and how much the fire really want to be that first MLS team to ever win the tournament five times and tie for the all-time team to win the most times. And something else Frank Klopas had said in his early remarks after being named interim head coach was he was going to play Jordan Shakiri and Brian Gutierrez together. And that's another thing we saw in this lineup. We're going to get more into that as the show goes on, as it really started to bear fruit in the second game of this double week. But that was cool to see. And again, there was a lot of things. This lineup was the f- first kind of domino of, oh, hey, that makes sense. Like this things that just haven't been happening that I think people have been asking for in this game. I think we you saw you started to see the seeds of what a Guti and Shakiri pairing together might look like and how they might function. I think the most important thing was giving them freedom because those are your two most talented attacking players by quite some distance. And in, in the rigid structure they were in at the start of the season, they just couldn't you couldn't get the best out of either of them when they're there together. Just let them play because they're the two best attacking players there are in this team. And if you just let them have some freedom, the rewards will be much better. Well, the early fireworks in this first game did not come from either of them, but from the third man in that attacking midfield line, Marin Haley Selassie scores immediately. I mean, I, I, I think uh, the phrase new manager bounce gets overused, but, but a third minute goal is not a bad way to just shake off whatever the last week had brought with it in the baggage of the last week and kind of just get everybody to take a big deep breath and relax a bit. Especially with the way the Fire have just struggled to score goals the last couple of games going into that. I mean, you came off a game against Nashville where you didn't have a single shot in the first half, and then three minutes into the next game, you're suddenly in the lead. That's a great way to just get the mindset back locked in. Something else we saw early in this game, the Fire almost go 2-0 up like 10 minutes later, and there's definitely a connection being formed between Arno Suke and Kai Kamara. Every game we see a couple of these, and you know, in this case, Lunt ends up making a really nice save with his right foot to deny Kai Kamara, but there's definitely a veteran link up there. And I think, you know, there were some questions earlier on the season. What is Suke's attacking contribution going to be? And the answer seems to be he knows where Kai Kamara is going to be, and he's going to create chances for Kai to just keep scoring goals. He's a very intelligent player. Like, maybe technical-wise, he's not a huge upgrade on Sekulich last season, but 
in terms of his IQ of the game, and now that he's had a few weeks to get used to the system, get used to his teammates, he's looked a lot better, especially in the attack. So we get to halftime of this game, 1-0 fire. Things are feeling all right. It's one of those things where, you know, okay, it's it's been 45 minutes of, of U.S. Open Cup soccer, of, of messy soccer. Um, second half kicks off. Maybe Gutierrez's best chance of the match. This really should have been an assist for Brian Gutierrez. Miguel Navarro gets up in the attack, hits the shot right at the keeper. But this was one of those examples of, even though Guti's position was nominally on the left, this is a space where in the counterattack, we see him tuck inside and draw defenders in. And it just creates so much space for other fire players bombing forward because Guti, when he gets that ball in the middle and is cutting in on his right foot, it's like he's a magnet for defenders. Like I said, there's that fluidity with Shakiri and Guti where they don't need to hug the line on the wing like Ezra was kind of having them do at times earlier in the year when they were together. Uh, like the first game of the season, you saw a lot of that. With that more freedom, you could see Guti get inside, get the ball, turn, get that pass in the half space, and that worked really well. And then... The Fire eventually do make it 2-0, and we, uh, we've neglected to mention so far, Jesse Marsh and Chris Armas were in the building for this game, and I even tweeted, I think Jesse Marsh would have really enjoyed this second goal by the Fire because it comes from they play the ball long, they turn it over, and then Chris Mueller and Brian Gutierrez just press like crazy. Lunt, St. Louis's backup goalkeeper playing this game, just takes a way too heavy touch. Puts it on a plate for Gutierrez, squares it, open net, Chris Mueller, 2-0. And again, you talk about fluidity. We saw it with Heli Selassie in that first half. Chris Mueller comes on as fresh legs and as really the only pure winger position that's left. And we just see that speed make an impact. And that dovetails really nicely with Gutierrez's intelligence in the attacking third. That's the kind of goal we haven't really seen the fire score. We don't see them forcing opponents into making mistakes. That energy was really great to see, for, especially from these two guys, but just in general, that's the sort of thing we haven't seen this I season. I mean, the intelligence from Gutierrez to have the back heel assist <laughs> and just to be able to know exactly where Fabian Herbers was and Herbers too, playing on the wing in this game instead of in defensive midfield, which we'll talk about later, but uh, just having him be in a position where that's what he's good at, where he needs, he knows where he needs to be inside the penalty box and puts the ball in the back of the net to make it 2-0. Um, did I screw up? Was that a Herbers goal or a Mueller goal? Herbers was the second goal. Okay. Um, in the U.S. Open Cup game? Okay, yeah. 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 Okay, I had that wrong. Mueller was the other one in on the press. I remember him being in on that. But again, so... because Oh, yeah, because Shakiri's off the field, I think, at this Shaqiri point. Shakiri got subbed off, yeah. Okay, so that's my mistake. So Mueller and Herbers had come in for Haley Selassie and Shakiri. Um, Haley Selassie going off in the first half, if I remember correctly. Half time, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, eventually, the fire look like they're going to kill this game off. Fetty Navarro has a great chance. Another good save by Lund. On the balance, he made a couple of really good saves. The St. Louis keeper did have the one big error. Uh, but then stop me if you've heard this one before. Late in the game, the fire screw up defending a corner. Ball gets swung in. Spencer Ritchie swings and misses. Arno Suke totally loses his mark. And luckily for the fire, St. Louis just don't have enough time. This goal is scored in the third minute of stoppage time. There's just not enough time for a second. The fire... Hold on 2-1 to win. So they do win the game, but at the same time, there's still some of those late in-game worries. It's like, are, are the fires still not going to be able to hold on anytime you give them a 2-0 lead? Yeah, I mean, the difference between this one and the previous games is that you had that two-goal cushion. If, if, it was a, if it was only a 1-0 game, then suddenly 17-year-old Miguel Perez sends the game into extra time, and that's a problem. But yeah, you, you get away with it this time. Yeah, and we also saw the start of some feistiness in this game, and it would roll over into the second game. The first ever meeting between Chicago and St. Louis. I've mentioned this already. It's very disappointing that the Fire will not play St. Louis in St. Louis this year because it would be a great road trip. We saw a decent amount of St. Louis fans make the trip. Not as much for the Open Cup game, more so for the MLS game. Even though it, it's just about as far away as Cincinnati is, it feels like an easier trip, and hopefully we can see this rivalry blossom because, you know, it's clearly the players were up for it. There's just kind of those built-in Chicago-St. Louis things. The Cardinals were in town playing the Cubs last week. It all fit together very nicely. So the Fire win, they advance. They will play Austin next Wednesday, May 24th in Austin. And the winner of that will take on Minnesota and Houston. Chicago or Austin will host that game. 
Before we move on to the second game, though, Alex, I think, you know, I mentioned it wasn't a great soccer game. The other thing that was noticeable, St. Louis were just incredibly wasteful in this game. They could have scored a lot more, and you had to think that between games, that was something the Fire were looking to clean up because it just, if St. Louis had also played a quote-unquote A team, you had a feeling there was a couple more goals for them. Yeah, St. Louis didn't take their chances in the first game, and the Fire had their backup goalie and Spencer Ritchie, and he really wasn't tested that much in the first game. Like, I think he got a little bit lucky there because if they had got some of those shots on target, which they really should have, should have taken their chances better, I think we're talking about a very different game. Absolutely. So we will talk about that second game between the Fire and St. Louis right after I remind you that DraftKings Sportsbook is the official betting partner of CHGO and All City. Use code CHGO when you sign up. A lot of great things going on on the DraftKings app right now. It is still NBA no sweat same game parlay season. The Western Conference Finals tip off tonight. Of course, right before that is the NBA draft lottery. The Bulls do not have a a great chance, but if you're really feeling confident as a Chicago Bulls fan, you can go on DraftKings Sportsbook and get some incredible odds on the Chicago Bulls to win the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. Hey, they won Connor Bedard, the Blackhawks did last week, so you never know. Maybe it's just that time of year. Of course, always great MLB markets on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. The White Sox tonight host the Guardians. Lance Lynn's on the bump for the Sox. He's not been great, and they're facing Shane Bieber for Cleveland. So maybe not the night to bet on the White Sox, but maybe some money to be made at their expense. Meanwhile, the Cubs are in Houston. Generally not very fun, but Jason Steele on the bump tonight. He has had a blistering start to the 2023 season. One of the best pitchers in the National League this year, so maybe some value there for the Cubs, who are likely to still be road dogs against the juggernaut that is the Houston Astros. Personally, made a little bit of money on Major League Soccer over the weekend. There are good weekends, there are bad weekends in betting MLS, because it's a bit of a crazy landscape, but sometimes you get get offered some things. Uh, Fire's upcoming opponent, Charlotte, helped me out this weekend. They were underdogs against Atlanta, and uh, that game gave us goals for sure. So you can get bonus bets if you sign up right now and download the app at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now. Use code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 to get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, we were nervous, Alex, that the fire would not be able to defend a one-goal lead in that first game, and somehow, against all odds, they actually defended a 1-0 lead. MLS game over the weekend, Fire 1, St. Louis 0. A couple lineup notes, Carlos Tehran returned from injury, although not for very long. Fabian Herber starts as a winger, and that was new, that was different, so that was interesting to see after his strong second-half performance in the first game. Uh, Guti and Shaq both start again, and Chris Brady is back in goal. Should note that while St. Louis did play more of a first-team lineup, they've got a lot of injury issues to key players right now. Klaus, their leading goal scorer, their designated player striker. Rasmus Alm, Joachim Nielsen, also both out. So at the start of this game, it was interesting to see how these teams would follow up the way the midweek game had gone. And the fire just are shot out of a cannon in this game. It's another early chance for Kai Kamara. And it's, it's like... It was just a continuation, it felt like, of that U.S. Open Cup game. St. Louis were sloppy, were wasteful, and the fire, even though they weren't getting a lot of chances early, definitely seemed like they had their foot on the gas. I mean, first couple minutes of this game, just reminded that Roman Borki is still very, very good. Like, that's what, he's probably the best goalkeeper in MLS, if we're being real. Like, he's only been here this season, but that resume he has with Dortmund in Europe, like, he's just a really, really good goalkeeper, and... That was difficult to beat for the fire in the opening period of this game. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis got a lot of crap last year when they signed a goalkeeper for that kind of money. It's just generally the thing that's not done in Major League Soccer. I think he's making more than double what Andre Blake makes, and Blake was the, was the highest-paid goalkeeper. And Blake's a DP, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, like, yeah, Berkey's getting paid, like, seven figures to play goalkeeper in Major League Soccer. No one's ever done that before, but, again, he's a very good goalkeeper, and when you're building an expansion side that's going to naturally have a couple holes in it, he's going to save you some points over the course of the season. He makes two great saves early in this game. Uh, first, some good interplay between Guti and Shakiri eventually sets up Kamara, and he's denied. Berkey then makes a similar save 
on Fabian Herbers in the ninth minute off another great ball by Shakiri. And this was a bit of a theme. It remains the thing that Jordan Shakiri is the best at on this team, and he's one of the best in the league at, is if you give him time and space to pick his head up and pinpoint a ball, he can literally drop it on a dime. There might not be anybody better than him at just from a stop placing a ball wherever he wants it. I mean, the questions with Shakiri is what's he going to give you off the ball, really, and his runs. And it's never really been a question whether or not he'll be able to create those passes when he does have that space because we know he's done it this season, last season. Even when he hasn't been his best, he still has those moments of quality because that's what he can do. As I alluded to a moment ago, the injury carousel keeps turning. Carlos Tehran's return from injury lasted all of 34 minutes. Uh, he went flying into a was a bad challenge by Carlos Tehran that if he wasn't so injured, uh, I think might have seen him get greater punishment than just a uh, a drop ball, I think is what came out of this because him and the St. Louis player both stayed down for yeah. a while. This was uh, definitely a yellow card sort of offense, but the referee took some leniency. Tehran ends up having to go off. Not good. He's been so strong. He was great to start this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just wins everything in the air and... The fire end up having to replace him with Rafael Shijos, who himself was only a week removed from an injury, and that was concerning. So it's just, of the many things that the fire have dealt with this season, one of the great unknowns remains if this team could just stay healthy because the ideal first 11 for Ezra Hendrickson to start the year made it like 12 minutes into that first game, and we haven't seen since what you could definitively, confidently call the fire's best 11 players on the field at once. I mean, Tehran was really, really good to start this game. He's a guy knocking on the door of the Colombian national team right now, so can't question how good he's been. Uh, but when he does go down injured, there's no better sub than Rafa Shijas. <laughs> and six <laughs> minutes later, that that is proven because the fire get the goal, and it's from Shijas. It's a great free kick delivery by Shakiri. It's some miserable marking by St. Louis to just completely forget Shios is there, but it's a lovely outside of the left boot sliding finish. That man scores a weird amount of goals for a veteran center back, but just the energy he brings, you talk about having a great sub. Not only is he a great player, but as the captain of this team, you you could see he really relishes those leadership opportunities. And and what a combination from two of the guys who are supposed to be the leaders, both on and off the field for the fire. What we should mention, too, is Guti won the free kick. So you have Guti and Shakiri both involved in creating that goal. And Shakiri finally, <laughs> in week, what, 12? First goal contribution of the season. You absolutely love to see. You do absolutely love to see it. So we get to halftime. It's 1-0. And to stand Shakiri for a moment, Alex, I thought that's the best. At the time, I said to myself, that's the best 45 minutes he's played in a fire shirt. Even though, again, the fire weren't scoring a bunch of goals. If you're just watching that first half, that's the Shakiri that's worth the $8 million. That guy is just giving the St. Louis defense absolute hell. He's opening up spaces for everybody else, particularly Gutierrez. Like, and it's, it's very much this kind of, on the one hand, it's like, great, that's what we want to see. But on the other, it's like, why did it take? So where, where's this been? You mentioned first goal contribution to the season. Kind of how do you balance those things in terms of evaluating when you see Shakiri play up to his potential? I mean, what was the most impressive thing to me was he showed an increased work rate in this game because really no one's ever doubted his quality. No one's ever doubted his talent. The question has been, what's he going to give you off the ball? What are the runs he's going to make? How, how much is he going to press, if at all? And he actually did do that in that game. And Klopas talked about it after the game. He's a completely different player when he has that. And when he has games in his leg, is coming back from an injury. He has that confidence back. It's a completely different player. And I, I don't think I marked what minute it happened. But there was a point in this game where Shakiri was tracking back. And he won a tackle on, like, the edge of the fire's own 18-yard box. Which is not a thing I have ever seen him do. Like, Shakiri does not enter the fire's defensive third. And he does not run usually unless he's in the attacking third. But again, we will get to how much we can credit Frank Klopas with this, but Shakiri in this game was doing all the things you would expect someone in that position to do. And there was an energy there that we didn't see last year. And we certainly haven't seen in the early stages of this season. And I don't know what it is, but if that's the Jordan Shakiri, the fire are going to get the rest of the season. You know, this team has some limitations, but it really raises their ceiling if he's going to be that kind of player for, say, 70 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's a game changer because, yeah, 
no one's ever going to be worth $8 million unless you're scoring 30 goals and winning the MVP. And yeah, Carlos Vela's that. worth that and basically nobody else in this league. No one's actually going to be worth that paycheck that he's being paid, but he can at least be worth a DP-level player, and that's what I think, hopefully, based on the last two games, we're starting to see. Uh, 48th minute, early second half. Fabian Herbert hits the crossbar. Uh, great work by Gutierrez. Again, Kai Kamara with the header down. And Herbers would have deserved a goal here because... Speaking of best we've seen in a while, this was the best Fabian Herbers performance. I know he gets the goal in the first game, but this second game, this is the best I've seen Fabian Herbers play in a long time. It's almost like putting him in a position that he's actually <laughs> capable of playing will actually help him be better for the team because he is not a defensive midfielder. That role just didn't suit him. He came up as a striker. He can play winger. He can play 10, whatever. That's fine. He's, he's not a defensive midfielder. And no. putting him on the right wing, he just looks so much more comfortable, much more at home there, because that's a position he's played for the fire for the last four years. This is, yeah, this is a theme we're going to dive into in our third segment about some seemingly obvious things that Frank Klopas has changed. But yeah, Fabian Herbers, if you think about how the Philadelphia Union play, Fabian Herbers came through that team as one of the guys who did the hard running off a central striker. It was like him and CJ Sapong. And Sapong was, like, the more physical option, which is what, like, Mikel Uwa does now uh, for Philadelphia. And Herbers was that other guy in the front, too, whose main job was to run and press. He played as a forward at Creighton in college. He kind of came into the fire as a 10-ish player. So, yeah, no, that hasn't made a lot of sense. He clearly looked more comfortable out wide there. Uh, in the 70th minute, the game more or less comes to an end. The feistiness has been ratcheting up. I thought we should have seen more yellow cards by this time. St. Louis should have had a man sent off by now, and then they do get one sent off. Nelson, second yellow, red card, really cynical as the fire defend a corner well. Guti has acres and acres of space, and Nelson just basically grabs him by the shoulder and throws him down. So, yeah, definite second yellow. This red card, though, did feel like it was coming, and you could feel that St. Louis, between these two games, with how wasteful they were and just this flow of the games that frustration just ended up boiling over yeah i mean you look at the minnesota game which was the only previous home win for the fire that was 45 minutes of clinging on for dear life defending that 2-1 lead and just it didn't feel that way this time it felt like the fire were much more comfortable yeah there were a couple set pieces where you don't want to look because ptsd and all that <laughs> but it didn't really actually feel like st louis were going to come back into that game and yeah the red card helps johnny nelson getting the red card Again, Miguel Pérez probably should have had a second yellow as well, so it did feel like St. Louis were starting to lose control, but it never really felt like they were going to come back into that game. No, um, it's one of those things. It's it's always interesting when the when we get the national soccer media uh, chiming in on Chicago Fire games. One of the advantages, I guess, of this game being alone in a window, although noon I felt a little was a little early, but this was the only game on in MLS at that time, and Taylor Twelman of MLS now in Apple season pass chimed in to say, chimed in with that note that St. Louis definitely should have been down to 10 already. Like basically saying, you know, the fire commenting that he thought the fire deserved to win this game, which is not a thing you see the fire get credit for often. Uh, there were a couple more chances late on Casper uh, Shabilko scores, but he's deemed offside again. Another nice move that Brian Gutierrez was at the center of Miguel Navarro, another player who seems to just be a little more comfortable Recently, getting into the attack there, overlapping, putting a good cross. Uh, Kutsius gets a good chance. He comes off the bench at right wing late on in this game. Uh, good left-footed effort is saved by Berkey. Still not exactly sure what his future is going to be on this team because it seems pretty settled that Kai Kamara is the preferred option at striker and Kasper Shabilko is the kind of like-for-like, like, very similar player who comes in and gets opportunities late. Kutsius has gotten the majority of his minutes so far as a winger. I don't know when we're going to see the opportunity for him to play as a nine, but I'd like to see it at some point. So I don't actually think that Kamara is going to be the preferred nine. I think he's just a placeholder right now until either a DP comes in or Kutsias is ready because, I mean, I don't know what to make of Shabilko because he was really, really bad. And I'd even argue that maybe Misael Rodriguez should be going in over him at this point. <laughs> But I think that the hope is that Kutsias will be the nine. Because Kamara, as good as he is, as good as he's been, as great as he's been for this team, it's fantastic having him here in Chicago. He is 38 years old. He yeah, really, this isn't sustainable. He can't be the starting striker every week because 
that's just not something he's capable of. He's he was brought in to be a guy for the last thirty minutes, and that's what he should be. Real, in my opinion. We've got a comment uh, that some people actually really like the noon games. Uh, traffic was less busy. That that has been a big debate lately of what MLS should do with its schedule because right now. Basically, with the exception of when Fox gets a game flexed in on a Sunday, every game is 7.30 local time on a Saturday. And while the predictability, I think, is good, and while for a lot of people, I I think the best comment I saw about it was that when you think about people who are really into soccer, a lot of them either have rec games or their kids play earlier in the day so that the night game is not going to get in the way of anything else. I, th- I think there's got to be some sort of compromise position there. I don't love every game being on at the same time. As someone who pays for MLS season pass on Apple TV Plus, I'm basically just paying for fire games because I can't really watch anybody else. I mean, it's really could, annoying. Yeah, you could do MLS 360 if you were a more casual fan, but obviously when the fire are playing, we're both people who are going to be fully putting our attention on the fire game. So while I think the every game at once is fun for casual fans, and I think you can keep MLS 360 without having, you know, 12 games at once. Um, it would be nice to see them spread out a bit. Have there be a noon game every week. Maybe have there be a 3.30. I like, I like 3 o'clock kickoffs. Personally. Yeah, every week. I think the other thing I was thinking about with this is when we think about the European model, that how they ended up where they are, the weekend is very regimented in how it is spread out over there because except with the exception of the top flights... Saturday, 3 p.m. is when everybody plays. That, that's the time soccer professional or semi-professional soccer games are. They are Saturdays at 3 p.m. And the reason Sunday league as a term is a thing is that then the pro games are on Saturday and then everybody plays their rec league games on Sunday. So Sundays are for rec league. Sundays are for kids games. That's what Sundays are for. Whereas in America, we have stuff everywhere. Every kid's playing five sports. We don't have that kind of partitioned off. So it will be interesting to see as, you know, this is the first season, what the league and Apple decides to do in terms of how to spread these out a little bit more. Could also maybe do a couple more games on Sunday. I get the idea with trying to get everybody's eyes on the same game, say on Fox at two, and then maybe on maybe on Apple at six or seven. I do get that idea, but... It, it, it is a little strange that we're just piling up, say, 13 or 14 games on top of each other on Saturday nights. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. We'll get to the upcoming schedule at the end of the show, and you will see that that is a theme, although the Open Cup, for some reason, has decided that later games are a good idea. But I don't think anybody understands what's going on in the Open Cup scheduling. Before we get to all of that, though, CHGO Fire is brought to you by game time where you can use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase where you can buy tickets to your favorite events with a whole lot less stress and you can save some money game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports music comedy theater and more you can get great last minute deals best price guarantee and you don't have to stress over the tickets and you can just be excited for whatever you're going to see lots of upcoming stuff here in chicago there's always great deals on both mls and nwsl games you can get through the game time app it is now also about to be festival season here in chicago Lollapalooza. Coming up in August, Riot Fest announced its lineup today. Those are not cheap things to go to, but Game Time is a place where you can go and get great deals anytime. There's also flash deals, last-minute tickets, dynamic pricing. If you haven't checked it out, go check out the Game Time app and use code CHGO, especially now we're in the heat of the summer. Lots of stuff going on. White Sox, Cubs, you name it and the game time guarantee means you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference you can see your view before you you're from your seat before you buy and it's better than any of those old websites that are on on out there the, the view from your seat in game time is the best i've seen on any ticket app and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds no several logins no bunch of screens none of that and the tickets are sent directly to your phone so you don't have to go dig through and find the right email so snag the tickets without the stress at game time download the game time app create an account and use code chgo for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code chgo for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed 
guaranteed. It is also time for the DraftKings pick of the week. We are in the second legs this week of the semifinals of the Men's Champions League. It looks like Inter Milan are basically already through. They take on AC Milan this afternoon. But tomorrow, big one, 1-1 one, one on aggregate, Man City hosting Real Madrid. And now, Alex, while I think Man City go through, I think they end up winning the whole thing. Yeah. Real Madrid to advance is at plus 260 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. And that kind of value on that team in this competition feels almost too good to pass up. Even if you don't think or aren't confident the Real Madrid are going through, that is a lot of value to be offered on Carlo Ancelotti and Real Madrid, given that this is a Champions League semifinal. I mean, Real Madrid and Champions League, they just go together. I'm 19, so I can't place this bet. That's not a, that's not a bad bet to make. So, yeah, Real Madrid plus 260 to advance. That game's tomorrow at the Etihad. Again, uh, today, Milan Derby part two at the San Siro. Inter looking like they're going to go through there. So, Alex, we want to, you know, round up the show today, this last segment. What can we take away from these two games? Again, St. Louis depleted roster-wise. Their standing is probably a little overinflated in the table because in the first few games of the season, opposing center backs seemed just addicted to passing the ball to Klaus one on zero in front of goals. Both games, the fire take an, a lead early-ish. Both games, they're able to hold on to them. So let's start with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe this deja vu streak is broken. And I think the biggest thing we saw that's different is under Ezra Hendrickson, the fire would make a lot of changes. They'd make a lot of subs, and they were subs that you might think make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, let's go to a back three. Let's bring more defensive players on. Let's try to hold on. But that never seemed to work. Instead, what we've seen in both of these games is the fire basically just keeping the same shape, but being a little more compact, being a little bit more defensive. What did you see in these two games defensively that felt different and that might have helped the fire hold on to these leads. Yeah, so I think one thing was the New York Red Bulls game in particular and the Philly game to a lesser extent and the Miami game a couple of weeks back. I know there's a lot. There, yeah, oh, there, and the Cincy game. If you've been watching this team, there's a theme. They're all the same. Um, they just invited so, so much pressure, especially when you, with, with Ezra Henderson, it was the Red Bull game, I think, where the subs to close out the game are you put in um, Alonzo Aceves as your left winger and Jonathan Dean as your yeah, right winger. The fire were playing a back seven basically at the end of that Which, game. Which, I mean, it sounds great in theory that you're trying to defend so put more defenders on, but if you completely seed all offense, you're not going to have the ball at all and you're just inviting everything. Frank Klopas, uh, when he was the head coach of the fire in Montreal, I mean, it's weird because he was like an, a winger or a striker, but he's a pretty defensive coach too. Like, he knows how to set up a defense and... Again, weird because he was an attacking player wearing this jersey. But, <laughs> um, but I think he, he, he'll be better for that as well. So he'll be able to close out those wins. And I think the biggest difference uh, was Jordan Shakiri because he raises the ceiling of this team so much. And I, th- I genuinely think, after talking to him after the game, that Frank Klopas is actually a big reason for that. Because I, I asked I ask Shakiri, hey, did, did Klopas coming in help you guys win this game? And he said... Everyone knows how important Frank is for this club, how good his knowledge is about football. It's a big win for his cl- for this club that he's here, how he explains things to the team, the message, how he wants to play. I don't know if that's quite a direct dig at Ezra, but it's at least an indirect <laughs> dig. And the thing is, you can't discount this. And I, I know people don't like to attribute the conversation to this, but it's just kind of the fact of it, especially with the European players who might not be as MLS familiar. We've seen this with recruitment across the league. We've seen it with coaching. There's there's a certain level of respect that elite footballers have for other elite footballers that can be very hard to gain trust on, and it takes time to build that trust versus if there's just a certain level, you'll, there's just an implicit level of belief. And Frank Klopas has that. Former international player a guy that players like of Shakiri's age who is on the older end right now of like this squad 
would have heard of, mm-hmm. would have been familiar with who he is. And it's easy then for Frank to also sell club legend has coached before here. Here is my previous resume. Here is why you who don't know me very well should trust me to do this job. And maybe that doesn't matter for, you know, the homegrown guys, the younger kids, but it's going to, it can't hurt you with buying from guys like Shakiri because a lot of these times, these, these international quality experienced players you know, it helps to be able to say, hey, here's why you should trust me. I mean, with Hendrickson, like, obviously, as MLS fans, we know about how good of a player he was in the league, how good his resume is as an assistant coach with some really, really good teams in MLS, some of the really good coaches that he's played for, uh, played with as an assistant, who he's played for, he's learned from. But for a guy like Shakiri, Frank Klobos is a guy, he didn't play in a World Cup, but he went to a World Cup. He lit up a Copa America. And for a guy like Shakiri, that probably means more to him than Hendrickson's MLS resume. And we, we got a comment in in the uh, in the chat. Maybe Klopas got better as a coach. I mean, I, I'll go back to the graphic we showed last week. Frank Klopas, in a points per game basis, is far and away the best coach the Fire have had in the 21st century. Which I know, low bar, not saying all that much. However, it's just you know. To your point, he just seems to know how to set up a team. You mentioned Shakiri. I think we should talk more about Shakiri and Gutierrez. You talked about the rigidity with Ezra, and it was like playing them both together, which is a thing that couldn't happen. It was like there was a rule. We can't play Shaq and Guti together. We're only two games into this, and it seems like this is a very obvious thing. That should have been happening the entire time. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Sarah on the production if you're watching on video for pulling that back up. That graphic from last <laughs> week showing that coach comparison and Frank Klopas is 1.5 points per game. Good enough for a playoff spot in MLS. Again, not saying much, but it's there. But anyway, Gucci, Shakiri, it just seems so obvious when you see them out there together. And we've only seen about, what, 100 minutes of this? Mm-hmm. And it just clearly makes the fire a better soccer team when they're both on the field. And, like, I remember the season preview, beginning of the year, what did I say? <laughs> it's the one, the number one key to getting success out of this team is how do you get the best out of Shakiri and Gutierrez? Because those are your two most talented attacking players. <laughs> like, may, maybe you set aside Brady because goalkeepers are different. Those are your two most talented players on this roster. One is a, one is. On the other side of the mountain, one is coming up. How do you, how do you get the best out of them? And clearly, and maybe it just needed a change of scenery, a change of coach to, to get this implemented, just give them some freedom. Whether it's Shakiri nominally being the 10, what, like, whether it's him being the winger, Guti as the 10, whatever, they can, they can both do both those roles relatively well. Just get them both on the field. Give them freedom to work together because they're both intelligent players. They're both tremendously gifted. And who would who would have thought getting your two best players in the field together makes the team better? Now, the person we talked about this off air, the person who this is not good for is Chris Mueller, who's had a pretty solid start to the season. He's been decent. He's been good enough to start. But when you look at where Guti is going to be best, if Shakiri is going to be in the center, you'd rather have Guti on the left than on the right, where he can cut in on that right foot and play make like we were talking about earlier. And Marin Hali Selassie mm-hmm. seems to fit better as that right footed right-sided winger, that very traditional get-to-the-end-line, cross-balls-in guy, whereas Mueller seems more confident on the left, cutting in, looking to shoot on his right foot. So that'll be something interesting to watch, that battle for what's going to be one spot on that right side, because I think Chris Mueller, his ceiling is higher than Haley Selassie's, but if Haley Selassie's just a better system fit over there, it might be a little hard for Chris to get minutes. We did see, though, in the Open Cup game, Chris can still be a phenomenal bench impact guy, especially with his speed. You throw that guy running at a tired defense late in games, and it's going to cause problems. Mueller's injured at the wrong time because he's been working through something for a couple of weeks, didn't really get talked about. He was playing through something and aggravated it in the Open Cup game, it sounds like, and then got injured Thursday in training. So this is the wrong time for Mueller to be injured. and Big opportunity for Haile Selassie, too. Huge opportunity for Haile Selassie, who has been honestly better than I expected. Absolutely. And like no matter whether what whatever it may be, because Klopas says he might shift it around depending on the opponent game to game, whether it's Guti in the middle, Shaq in the middle, whoever's on the left, whoever's on the right, Chris Mueller has to fight his way into that now because Haile Selassie has made that spot his own when he's available. He missed the last game with a concussion, but now he's back, available for... Wednesday and when Mueller comes back from injury he's gonna need to work his way back into this team 
Uh, we also we already talked about Fabian Herbers, not a defensive midfielder. This has been obvious for a very long time. Put him in a position to succeed. He can still be an asset for this team, particularly as a veteran. Another one, Mauricio Pineda, still perfectly fine as a center back. You know, he's always kind of been this tweener who looks the most comfortable as the middle of a back three. He played all of college as a six, but doesn't quite profile as a six or as a center back in a two long term. But he has done just fine. These last two games as the fire are dealing with some injuries at center back. It seemed like Ezra Hendrickson had made the decision. Mauricio is a defensive midfielder. Full stop. That resulted in a whole lot of Kendall Burks minutes that did not go particularly well. And I think Mauricio Pineda has reminded his coaches and reminded fans these last two games that, oh, yeah, he can still do a job in a back line. I don't know what Ezra Hendrickson didn't see in Mauricio Pineda because this is a guy who in 2020 in his rookie season coming from UNC was literally the Flyers' defensive MVP of the season. In his first season, he won the starting job, day one starter against the Seattle Sounders on the road. One of the best guys in the bubble. He was he was fantastic that whole season. And Ezra Henderson comes in 2022. Ezra Henderson decides he's better as a midfielder, which he can play both positions, so that's not the worst thing in the world. But he refused to play him at center back unless it was absolutely, absolutely necessary. And he just really, he barely got in the field this season for, for Ezra. And then Klopas comes in, says, look, this guy can still play center back. And there's a need for that right now. Goes in, plays really good in the open cup, gets the assist to highlight Selassie, which is something Pineda can do playing out of the back. He can just create those balls over the top, which even Tedon can't do. That is something that's interesting. Shehos has that, too. Shehos has that. While Pineda is not the defender Carlos Tehran is, a defensive pairing of Shehos and Pineda that's better passing range from a center back pairing than you're going to get from almost anywhere in MLS. So that does give the fire an entire other dimension. Uh, C. Martinez in the chat asks, do you think the fire by Marin Holly Selassie? 100%. Uh, I would also say it doesn't matter. Um, it's all the same money. He yeah. is on loan from a club that Joe Mansueto also owns being Lugano. I, I that's if we're if we're really honest about all of this. All of this is to just build the best team and comply with MLS roster rules. So, uh, do I think the fight? Do I think Marin Holly Salase will become a fire player officially? Probably. Yeah, he will. But I might. I would follow that up by saying I don't think it actually matters. And if this is what allows the fire to be the best team on the field that they can be with some um, MLS legal but funny moving money around. I don't think anybody's going to have a huge problem with that. It's like, do I think Lugano is going to buy Nacho Aliceta? No, probably I mean, not. He's permanently there. Oh, is he now? He is, yeah. So the Fire got that uh, maximum amount of allocation money for that transfer. Amazing. You can just sell a player to yourself and just print a free million dollars. It's really amazing how Gam and Tam work. Almost like they should just open it up and have a salary cap, but that's a discussion for another day. So another comment in the chat kind of leads us to our next question. Is this just a mirage? Was this just two games against a just okay St. Louis team who was, you know, depleted by injuries? The schedule is about to get a lot harder. How should Fire fans be feeling after these two games? How much do we allow ourselves to be excited by what we've seen this week? So I don't think that the St. Louis team that the Fire played against this week is as good as the one that everyone thought they were when they won the first five games of the season because the Western Conference is a lot weaker than the Eastern Conference this season. So it's really not that impressive that they won five games in a row and they've had some injuries since then. However, that win over what's becoming a bit of a rival is going to give the players confidence that they can get these results, that they can close out a win, that they can play like they did with Shakiri and Guti together, combining. Um, Aaron Haile Selassie looking very good in the first game, and the, the back line looking a lot more solid. Like It's just going to be so big for the mentality of the team. Even if St. Louis aren't as good as everyone thinks they are, it's still the perception and the me mental factor that matters that it feels like you beat a tough opponent because they're still a tough, tough opponent. You beat a team like that, even if they aren't as good as you say they are, it's, 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 it still gets that same effect. Well, we're going to learn a lot tomorrow. Uh, they take on Charlotte in Charlotte tomorrow night. Um, both of the games against Charlotte last year were nonsense. 
Uh, they were both 3-2, the final score, each team winning one. Uh, the loss for the Fire, the 3-2 loss at home, was, in my opinion, the absolute worst of all the blown leads last year. Uh, Carol Swiderski ends up scoring in the sixth minute of stoppage time in that game. Just a, a brutal, brutal game. Uh, the Fire were up 2-0 in the 68th of that game. The Fire then won 3-2. to two at Charlotte last year in an absolute downpour, total mess of a game. I remember Johnny Bornstein having a weird, like, 30-minute master class off the bench. At center back, he was amazing. That was weird. (laughs) Um, The fire conceded in the first minute of that game and then managed to claw it back with a brace from uh, Kasper Shabilko in one of his few great performances (laughs) of last season. So those games were both crazy fun. So no reason not to think that tomorrow night in Charlotte will be good. Uh, Charlotte on a three game winning streak, uh, NYCFC Orlando. They just put three goals on Atlanta in Atlanta over the weekend, but they got off to a really slow start this season. This is a team that's just recently on the rise. They're only one point and one place above the fire in the standings one more game played so i do think we're going to learn a lot though this is a a a step up from the st louis team of these last two games it's on the road this is going to be a real test of the start of what we think is some progress and i mean it's really weird to be saying this in the year 2023 but it's kai kamara against justin moram (laughs) here we are and uh, i think it'll be a really good game yeah justin moram's still kicking around mls he's been is that guy 40 yet Pretty old. I mean, he's right up there with Kai Kamara. I mean, Kai's 38, but it feels like Kai's <laughs> older than that at this point. So uh, we've we've flashed it up on the screen for the video audience a couple times already, but let's take a look at that upcoming schedule. So tomorrow night, Charlotte, 6.30 p.m., 7.30 local kickoff on Apple. Saturday, the Fire face off with Atlanta United at home. Big, big game there. Must on, win game. On Saturday. Must that's win. an Atlanta team that's crazy talented absolutely crazy talented but they are struggling right now they've got a whole bunch of injury issues and so if there's a time to play atlanta this is the time to do that next wednesday may 24th at austin weirdly despite being in the central time zone that game's at 8 p.m uh it's probably on the bleacher report youtube page but who actually knows uh it's it seems like in the days leading up to the open cup games you, you randomly get that the CBS Sports Galazzo Network is going to get one. There's going to be one on Paramount Plus randomly. There's going to be one on ESPN Plus randomly. I don't know how the meteorites work for that thing. Anyway, 8 o'clock, you'll be able to watch it for free somewhere. I just don't know where that's going to be. And then Saturday, May 27th at New England. It's been an odd team. They had a really, really strong start to They're the really, season. really good. But then they got bounced out of the Open Cup by the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. That, despite starting a lineup that included... Uh, Josie Altador, who I forgot was back in New England. Yeah, I forgot he came back from Mexico. He's in New England now. Um, So, yeah, they're they're good. You're always going to expect this tough challenge from a Bruce Arena team. So a lot of games, though, between now and when the next episode of CHGO Fire is, we should have a lot more data at our disposal about this team, be able to make a a lot more judgments. I mean, I think whether the Fire end up making the playoffs or not again nine teams get in so i don't think there's a whole lot between being the ninth team in and finishing 10th or 11th fire again they're in 12th right now i believe just behind charlotte um so it's still wide open someone mentioned in the comments earlier that if the fire win tomorrow night they will jump up to sixth place because (laughs) i mean heck the la galaxy just won their second game of the season and are now two points out of a playoff spot like that that's that's just major league soccer in 2023 so i don't think the playoff conversation is all that important, especially at this stage. But again, I think whether fans should be really confident or not in these next two weeks, we're going to get a really good sense of it. Also, we should mention a happy belated birthday by one day. Happy 20th birthday to Gabriel Gaga Slanina. 19th birthday. Not, wait, that's still only his 19th birthday? Only his 19th I birthday. I swore he was older than Chris Brady. Um, no, he's like a month younger. Jeez. Okay. Happy 19th birthday. <laughs> Gosh, I'm old. Uh, to Gaga Slanina, who's currently down in Argentina with the USU 20 team as they 
prepare for the U-20 World Cup that will start on Saturday, 1 p.m. They'll take on Ecuador. Those are probably the two best teams in their group. A very important first game. Looks like your best way to watch that one's going to be on Telemundo, which in theory should mean there's a Peacock stream if you're a Peacock subscriber. They then play Fiji on Tuesday if you want to see them score a hilarious amount of goals. That game is on Universo. So we've got Telemundo and Universo splitting the rights on mm. something. This is a little odd, so not exactly sure what your best route is going to be there. Maybe that game's on TV. Maybe it's not. And then they finish up next Friday against Slovakia. There is no TV information listed for FS2. that one. FS2. Yep. So if you've got FS2, I think that first game is also on Fox Soccer Plus, but I can't believe Fox Soccer Plus is still a thing. Gaga expected to be the starter for the U.S. Maybe if they win those first two games, maybe he would not play. I think he's not going to play against Fiji, probably. That does seem, it seems likely he's going to skip one game. The Fiji game would be the one to skip. Again, we've talked about it at length. No Guti down there, which is too bad. No Paxton Aronson, which is even weirder because um, Kevin Paredes, who plays for Wolfsburg. Yeah, no Kevin Paredes until the knockout rounds. Mm-hmm. And no Rokas Pukstas until the knockout rounds. Pukstas playing for Hedrick Split? Hedrick Split, yeah. Playing in their first team. He's had a really good season in Croatia. If you're an American soccer fan, that's a name to watch as a guy who probably is going to move this summer, unless he wants to have a full season starting in Croatia. But generally, if you're a teenager playing in that league for no, a no, good he's, team. He's going to this tournament to get a move. So. Yeah, so we'll have to wait and see there. Guti and Chris Brady staying around for this important stretch run. And certainly for the fire, they will be glad to have them. And again, if, if Guti and Shakiri keep working their magic, I'm going to probably uh, spin my opinion and say that it was fine for Gutierrez to stay. Also depends on how the U.S. team does. Like if, <laughs> if, if we make a quarterfinal of this tournament, that's, fine. that's, that's, that's the expectation, I think. Yeah, that's going to be fine anyway. So, again, something to keep an eye on if you, like ourselves, are very interested in the U.S. men's national team and what is to come in the future. That team, they play some fun soccer. Not exactly like the senior team. They don't really have strikers, so it's very possession-heavy. And, hey, you get to watch Gaga because Lord knows trying to find a stream of a Premier League 2 game is basically impossible and doesn't feel like worth watching half the time anyway. So... Check out Gaga. Check out the USU 20s. Would love to uh, maybe talk to Gaga at some point. Stay tuned on that. We'd love to make that happen. And maybe we can get him talking some Chicago-related stuff. Did see him on Chelsea's social social channels this week talking Chicago in connection with the Chelsea Borussia Dortmund game that's happening at Soldier Field later this summer. So it it does seem likely that you're going to get a Gaga Slanina start for Chelsea's quote-unquote senior team at Soldier Field in Chicago, which would be pretty cool. I mean, it's fantastic to see um, my three favorite soccer teams on the planet, Chelsea, Chicago Fire, and Borussia Dortmund, all in the same picture. That was that was a special moment for me. <laughs> yeah, so that, that should be fun. Um, I'm sure we'll obviously we'll talk a lot more about that game given my uh, Chelsea fandom as that comes up. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of CHGO Fire presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Alex Calabrese, thank you so much for coming in in studio. Welcome back to Chicago. We'll probably see you again later this season. Check out everything he's doing over at Men in Red 97 Media. You guys as a startup this year have done some really cool stuff. Always great to see young up-and-coming people in particular, but just more coverage and more energy around the fire as well. And if the fire continue to play well, there's just only going to be more and more reason to cover and talk about this team. Yeah, thank you. We're having a lot of fun doing it. So uh, everyone, make sure you check us out. So CHGO Fire will be back two weeks from now. We'll have a whole lot of soccer to talk about then. But for Alex, I'm Alex. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And I'll see you next time.